What's up? This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening, welcome. This is episode two. Today we are talking to Ryan about the low point in his life, which was his divorce. And as always, if you get anything out of this podcast or any podcast that you listen to, please rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast content. Producing a podcast is time-consuming and can be expensive depending on what level you are at with your show. Hopefully, you can give me a couple minutes of your time to rate and review me. Any comments, good or bad, questions for the show, topic requests, or anything you want to say to me, you can email me at nowhere to go but up now at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to send me your own stories of your struggle or personal development. If they resonate with me, I may ask you to be a guest on the show or read your email on the show and talk about it. You can follow me on Instagram at nowhere to go but up now, on Twitter at but up now, and Facebook page is Sean Dustin. I have a website for the show but I haven't built it yet. I'm trying to limit my costs until I know what I'm doing or I hire an intern that knows how to do this shit. I'm learning how to do this on the fly from YouTube. Enough of housekeeping. Let's get to episode two. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing great, doing great. Can't wait to uh, hear your story. Me. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. All right, so what you had uh, written in the questionnaire that I sent out to you is you know the bottom that you wanted to talk to or the low point in your life that you wanted to talk to would be your divorce. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, I mean, I've had different ups and downs, but, you know, they've been, uh, you know, sort of specific to time frames. I, you know, I had an accident when I was in my early twenties that, you know, I had a few surgeries and spent some time in the hospital and stuff like that. But those are, you know, I, I used to look at that as a low point, but as you get older and grow a little bit more and start a family and all that kind of stuff, it sort of recalibrated itself. And, uh, 2013 after being married for, uh, just, uh, just shy of 13 years, um, found myself uh, entering the divorce situation. And in the beginning, I think it was a little bit tough just because, you know, I think everybody feels like a failure when something that massive sort of goes bad and it's hard not to internalize it. But, uh, you know, in, in the end, it was, a, it was a good thing for everybody. You know, my, my ex-wife, the kids, and myself were all happier now. But it was a long road to get there. There was a lot of low times and, uh, you know, fought with depression and had no tools to handle that sort of thing at the time. And, uh, so I started seeing counseling and started gaining some of the perspective and some of the tools that I need to deal with some of the feelings that I had and learning how to interpret them. And, um, you know, what was a low time turned into a, you know, a positive thing because it's, it's been a pretty big impact on my life moving forward now. Yeah. Divorce can be, uh, can be a tough one, man. Was it, was it an expected type of thing or, you know, it, Seemed, I read that you uh, kind of drifted apart. Yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, I think just over the years we were consistently more, you know, I think we were probably just growing in different directions. Um, 
you know, I mean, in some ways uh, she might've been growing and I probably wasn't very much. I was, um, I mean, I, I thought I was a good husband at the time. I, it, maybe it didn't get perspective until later that maybe I wasn't doing some of the things that I could do, but I was, I was very attentive. I was always trying to make her happy. My, my mindset during my marriage was always, my job is to keep her happy. Her job is to keep the kids, you know, or I should say like this. My job is to take care of the kid, of her. Her job is to take care of the kids and then everybody's just happy. Um, she didn't really need someone to take care of her. She's a pretty independent person. I think she didn't like me always just sort of, you know, doting on her, I guess. And, you know, maybe you could find a better word, but I was just, you know, I was always wanting to do things for her. And, and what she wanted was an independent guy that was, you know, did things for himself and took care of himself and she could take care of herself and together we take care of the kids. But, um, you know, I didn't get that perspective until maybe, you know, maybe a little bit later, but, um, yeah, it was, you know, we were, we fought a lot. It wasn't, there was never a big event. There was no cheating. There was no, um, you know, violence. There was no, you know, anything like that. It was just constant bickering and arguing and it was just unhappiness. And then we started building walls. You know, when the kids would go down, she'd go upstairs and watch TV and I'd be downstairs and watch TV. And we would never, you know, we never had any, we never made any time for each other. Um, we just sort of lived our own lives. It's almost like we were roommates for a while. Um, and then we had this brief time towards the end where I think we sort of made some, you know, some, some attempts and found, you know, maybe I guess you even want to call it the calm before the storm, but we found this, this little six month patch of happiness where we were sort of all about each other. And we were, you know, I think we probably both thought it would work. And then there was this weird time where she, you know, she used to travel for, for business a little bit came home from from a trip and i could just tell something had changed in her a little bit and you know we, we sat down and talked about it and she was just like i didn't i didn't miss you i wasn't looking forward to coming home and i had found myself having the same feelings like when she was gone on that trip i was just sort of like you know i didn't necessarily miss her i wasn't you know it, it was we were both just having the same feelings and we had talked about divorce so many times and we had always you know, it always just been talked and we got past it and, you know, just worked through it. And I think it was probably me fighting more than her for a lot of those years. And my fight was gone and hers was clearly gone because she was the one that sort of said, was the first one to really verbalize, like, hey, I think I'm just done. And I said, you know what? So am I. And uh, in the end, I mean, we sat down for 45 minutes with a legal notepad and we literally wrote everything down and about our divorce, you know, custody with the kids and you know bills and who's going to keep this and that and we literally broke broke it down in 45 minutes we really never went back from that um the divorce itself wasn't difficult it was just the transition to a new life me trying to keep this house by myself and um you know i've got three daughters so i was you know all of a sudden i'm raising three kids as a single father and it was just it was that type of rock bottom where it was like what do i do now like i had no i hadn't written a check and probably 10 years. I mean, I didn't pay any of the bills at the house. I mean, she took care of all that. I just went and earned money. And now all of a sudden I am responsible for everything. So it was, it was just a, um, you know, a wake up call. And for me, that was, I didn't know that I could do it. I didn't have the confidence that I could do it at the time. I, I, and so that was for me, that's when I, when I talk about rock bottom, that was, that was it for me. Okay. All right. That's, yeah, that's tough, man. I, I've I've been divorced myself, um, and it's it, it's not a fun thing. Let's see. 
So no, we, it was uh, it wasn't fun for for me just because of the way it affected the kids. They were just heartbroken by it. In the end, it didn't take that long for them to sort of get used to the the new reality, and, and they realized that I was happier and their mom was happier, and ultimately they were happier. But it was still, um, you know, when it has to do with your kids and you see them upset, you see them hurt. It's there's it's impossible for you not to internalize it and blame yourself for that. So that's where it was really the toughest. I mean, I was really more worried more about the kids, even than myself at the time. What, uh, what ages are your kids? If you don't mind me asking. No, not at all. I've got a 14 year old, a 16 year old. and Okay. So, and then you're one of uh, my oldest. Sorry. Yeah. No, my oldest is a freshman in college. She's up at Sac State. Um, then I've got a junior going to be an incoming senior, and then I've got a eighth grader that's going to be a freshman next year. So next year I'll have actually have two high schoolers. And how did they? I mean, aside from you know the normal stuff from a divorce and and sadness and you know feeling of loss and abandonment and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. like how well adjusted are they? Would you say? Um, you know, because. I, I grew up in, in a divorced uh, home myself, and it was just, it was, I was a, my mom was a single mom. Uh, my brothers and sisters were already out of the house, and it, it affected me pretty, pretty hard. And I was five, though, so, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, you, you don't know okay. any better, and, you know, you bl- I, I blame myself when I was a kid, so I just, you know, what, how did they adjust to it, and, you know, what did you kind of do to I mean, if, if everything went went fine and, and they're all well adjusted, how did you go about that with your your ex and yourself in, in facilitating it? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the one thing I should say is that even though you know, our divorce is pretty easy, we still had the regular you know fights between two divorced parents and all that. There was still some pain there on the up from both sides. But the one thing that we always really did a, 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 I wouldn't say we did a perfect, but we did a really good job of is, is co-parenting. And we would communicate regarding the kids. Whether we were mad at each other or not, we would still communicate regarding, regarding the kids. Um, the oldest one was the toughest. Uh, she handled it the worst in that she never would discuss her feelings about it. She always pretended everything was fine. Like, it was just no big deal, whatever. You're divorced. Your mom was there. Dad was there. Uh, you know, that was her, that was her facade, but she acted out and she did it in school and she did it in sports and she did it in that sort of thing. She just was, she would, she would consistently get in trouble and, you know, it was just behavioral type stuff with her, but it wasn't in your face, you know, screaming at you, you're, you know, I hate you, you left mom or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. She just acted out. My middle daughter internalized it. She sort of went into a shell, um, you know, spent a lot of time in her room. She's an artist, so she would, she just really sort of sunk into her art, you know, always drawing, always doing something art-related, and, you know, she's got a very small group of friends that even they only hang out every now and then, so she just became sort of a an introvert. The youngest, um, I think she saw herself as the savior. She was the one that had to be there for dad and the one that had to be there for mom, so she was always sort of loving on us, and she was always the one that was like, can we all have dinner together tonight at the table? You know, she was the one that was pushing that because dad wasn't. He was just trying to get through his divorce. The other two were just worried about themselves, and she was the one that was still trying to hold some of those things that she grew up with, like, you know, having, even though there's two families now, she wanted them both to be family. So 
she was always sort of the one that was like, let's have a movie night. Let's have, you know, well, I want to have dinner tonight together. You know, I want to do this and that. And, um, you know, I, 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 I love her for that. And she's still in some ways sort of carried that, um, that power, but they've all grown up now. Now they're all older where, you know, like I said, everyone's, it's been six years. So most of everyone, we've all moved on and everybody's pretty happy. But, um, I think for the most part, there wasn't any real tragic type stories or anything like that. I mean, they all just, you know, they all had their own particular struggles, but I think being that mom and I communicated a lot. Um, we had one issue where my middle daughter went through some stuff where she was starting to, you know, uh, do some things that, uh, you know, that, well, she was, she was, she was cutting herself, uh, you know, in, and it was, a, it was a cry for attention at the end of the day. And so, we caught it pretty quickly. I think I was the one that first noticed it. I talked to my my ex-wife about it. We sort of came up with a plan, and then we talked to her about it. And um, you know, when she came to parent, we knew she really freaked out, and she was like, "I want mom," and I said, "No problem." So mom came and picked her up, and they dealt with it. And we just stayed on top of it, and we communicated, and we just talked a lot about it. And I think that was always sort of our. That's always what kept us. Uh, all sane was that we were able to just communicate and you know even though we were divorced we still just we never let them pit us against each other and we always stayed involved and let them know that no matter what happens we're still here you still have two parents you still have a mom and a dad and we still communicate and we still love you and we're here and so um you know we didn't let things get too far out of control before we said hey we noticed something's going on let's deal with it we've we've brought the kids into counseling you know, when they've needed it, um, you know, none of them do it really full time or anything like that. But, you know, when they needed a few appointments just to get something out their chest that they could maybe say to mom and dad, they had that opportunity. We put them in front of somebody that they could talk with. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was anything outside of the normal. It was, it, you know, probably stuff that you and I have, because I'm a, I'm a product of divorce as well. Probably stuff that you and I both um, dealt with at the time, you know. I'm sure all of them blame themselves a little bit, but we've always been very, very clear about the fact that, you know, they were, if anything, they were the ones that kept us together longer. Um, they were absolutely not the ones that, that were the cause of our divorce. Well, that's good. It's good to hear. Yeah. I know my current, my current girlfriend right now, we, uh, we split up a couple of times and we uh, thought about doing it. I have a, I have a, a 19 month old, uh, daughter myself. And I just, in a way it sounded like a good idea, you know, two, two happy homes are better than one miserable one. Mm -hmm. But I also, maybe being a girl is a little bit different than being a guy, but it, uh, I just kept thinking about my situation and how I grew up and I was like, I can't, I don't, I don't want to be that, that guy, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I want my my daughter to have the opportunities to see both of her parents uh, together, at least for the first seven to to eight years, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what what I've been working towards. And it's tough. Relationships are hard. It is very difficult yeah. to to be put into a situation with somebody especially these days when there's so many distractions, there's so many things pulling your attention uh, from dating mm -hmm. apps to Facebook to this to that. I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that pull you if, if, if you allow it to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
I mean, it's a, uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses world, the, the thing with social media is that everybody puts their best face on there. It's very rare. I have, a, you know, a lot of friends on my Facebook and very few of them actually put their bad days out there for you to see. It's everybody's trying to, you know, show you their best life and it creates this deception in your head like everybody's living this great life and you're over here just living it's kind of a regular life and you're like, man, why, how come I'm not as happy as they are? But at the end of the day, they're just, you know, they're dealing with the same stresses and things that we are in everyday life. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in terms of, I, I wanted to stay together with, in my marriage really just for the kids. I probably certainly wasn't close at the time in terms of me being the one that says I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, I would have just stayed as unhappy as I was. I would have stayed for the kids and so, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe, maybe it was to, to when they get older now when they're in high school and maybe a little easier, maybe it was so they're all just moved out and we were like, okay, like let's just go around separate ways. But, um, so I don't think I would have pulled the trigger, but when she said she was done, I wasn't going to fight her to keep her in a relationship that she didn't want to be anymore. And at the end of the day, I knew I didn't want to be in it either. I knew I'd be happier, you know, down the road. I, I, I knew that there was never a question about that. It was just, I would have, I would have easily delayed that happiness for, uh, for the sake of the kids. Um, in the end, I think, I do think everybody was happier for it. And, and I, at the end of the day, I was a product of that. My parents got divorced and I was better off for it. My, both my parents remarried and I've got four parents that I'm very close with. I'm, you know, a lot of people are only lucky enough to have two, but I've got four parents that I love and respect and there've been huge impacts on my life and they're great grandparents. And, um, so, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that divorce is not always bad. In fact, when somebody tells me I'm going to divorce, I always say, well, should I say congratulations or I'm sorry? Cause I'm not, you know, which way do you want me to go? And, a lot of people are like super happy that they got divorced, and um, and I do believe that you know I'm not a I'm, I I don't want to say I'm an advocate of divorce. I, I I hate the idea that people give up so easily. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to pretend that I'm uh, you know a big divorce proponent. But I do feel like if you're going to do it, do it right and go be happy. Like you know, don't wallow in it. Just if you're if, if, as long as you're pulling that plug, go out and try and be your best self moving forward and live the life that you. <laughs> clearly weren't getting you know in your marriage so oh for sure and i I definitely wasn't uh uh knocking knocking the divorce thing i just you know we all have our our own past and things that have helped to um shape who we are and you know for me in my situation it was just that that's what my experience was and and who knows if it's going to work or not because uh, yep. the days, you know, it's 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 tough. Yeah, that's absolutely. all. I, that's all I can say about it is it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it really is, and you know, some people make it tougher, some people make it harder, but it, no, no matter what, it's a it's a battle that you know you learn you learn from yourself or you learn about yourself from something like that. It's definitely one of those little points in your life that you're gonna you're gonna learn who you are real quick. So, what? Uh, uh, how old are you, by the way? I'm forty three. 43 okay i'm i'm 45 so i'm not two years older than you um what else so this the social media climate thing that that is really bothering me and by the way you and i both listen to one of the same podcasts uh waking up well it's not waking up anymore it's uh yeah it's a new one with sam harris uh, yeah and that guy's pretty cool i mean i listen to him and i also listen to um Jordan Peterson, I and those I do like him as well. Yeah, yeah and those two kind of spawned off of uh, Rogan. 
They did. Uh, they definitely, and, and they, they, I think they probably earned their name. Sam Sam Harris is. I, I remember he's famous for the Bill Maher video with uh, Ben Affleck, uh, where Ben Affleck was sort of losing his mind. And but what I really like about Sam Harris is that, you know, I think he does identify on the left or as a Democrat, but he's he's a guy that takes every individual situation and takes it in for itself independently and thinks his way through it. And he's not automatically just going to blame one thing or blame another thing. He likes to talk about it. And, and that's, I've, I've learned to enjoy that. I mean, you know, I, I lean one way politically for sure, but actually five years ago, I would have leaned the exact opposite way, but I got to the point where I was like watching and listening and going, ew, I don't like this message that I'm getting over here. And I, so I sort of just found myself over here, uh, you know, at some point. And so, and I think that's, I saw a thing today, I guess, and I, it was, I was actually really surprised to see it, but actually 43% of Americans consider themselves an independent now. Um, and I, I was actually encouraged by that because I, I think those are actual national numbers and I didn't realize it was that it was growing that big, but I think those people are the ones that are saying, I'm sick of the left and the right. I'm going to sit in the middle and I'm going to take every situation for what I think it should be. And I'm just going to break it down independently and, think my way through it and, and react and defend my my stance on it and you know go from there but i'm not going to do these blanket <clears throat> sort of attributions of you are this or you are that or you know that those are the things that really bother me and and people are so you know i, I don't i don't want to i don't want to condemn people for everybody for being brainwashed but i feel like people just get siloed they just get they they hear only information from the people that they agree with and then that is just gospel and any other opinion is evil or you know whatever their you know whatever adjective you want to put to it but i think that's really what bothers me is that it's just these silos of people and they're all just throwing rocks at each other and nobody's actually you know so that's why i like jordan peterson i like sam harris i like david rubin i like these guys because they full sort of found themselves in the middle and they're saying let's just talk let's talk about it you know we disagree but let's respect each other's opinions and let's have a conversation about it and that's where I've, I've uh, I, you know, I, I think if you listen to those guys, I put one on there, uh, which is the Armchair Experts. It's a new one. It's only been around for about a year with Dax Shepard. I've always liked as an actor, and it's kind of a cool podcast because you get a little bit of the Hollywood stuff in there. He has his, lots of his Hollywood friends in there. But he has conversations. The thing I like about Dax is he's very sort of uh, introspective. He likes to, he's always thinking about what he's doing and why he's doing it and why did he say this thing and why did he think this thing. And I, I, I love that type of stuff. And so, he gets these people on there, but he puts them in uncomfortable situations where he's talking to them about their real lives. And he's like, what, what made you say that thing to your, to that person? And I'll be like, oof, I hadn't thought about that. Like, I don't know why I said that. And, um, it's something you, you might enjoy it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good one. He has some different experts on there that, uh, one that another guy that you might really enjoy listening to. He doesn't have his own podcast, but he's been on, I think he's actually done Rogan. And I think he's been on a few other ones, but his name is Jonathan Haidt. And, um, just another thinker, you know, he's a guy, he's a, he's a professor of some kind, but, um, he, he just, you know, I like these guys that really sort of break down and from the middle and say, I'm going to listen to all sides and I'm going to make my decision. So those are the, those are the people that I tend to, to go towards. Yeah. As far as politically, I'm, I'm, oh, that's a, that's another, that's another touchy subject. Um, you know, yeah, I, I know. I'm always, I'm, I'm hesitant to step into it. I'm always, I'm happy to if you want to. I just didn't, you know. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. It's touchy because you know those conversations can explode quickly. 
Yeah, I mean, I but I, I think what everybody can agree with is it's corrupt. It is broken. Mm-hmm. It is it is meant and set up, in my opinion. You know, when you only have two sides, nothing ever gets done, or somebody has to concede to get something to concede to the other way to get something else. You know, I I yeah, don't absolutely. see how anything gets accomplished that way, and and yeah. it's time and time and time again since I've I've grown up. I mean, or was younger. The climate and 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 the the landscape doesn't look anything like what I've used to be what I've used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, go go ahead. Well, I was going to say you. you said, so it's clear. I'll agree with you 100. percent It's broken. Like that's my theory as well. It's just it's just it's broken. And I actually saw a really good video the other day that I can't remember the name of it. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you offline, but. Uh, I'll find it, but uh, it, it was talking about this. It was talking about how, you know, well, I'll go back to what you said. You had said, you know, you hate how, you know, one side has to keep something to the other to get anything done, and that that actually doesn't bother me as much because that tried true going back 200 years where it's like, you know, you, you ultimately you, you each side concede something and you meet in the middle and you make, a, you make a deal. I don't have a problem with that. My problem is the outside influences, and the outside influences at the end of the day are making the decisions for they're making the decisions that the people should be making, but we're no longer empowered. We're not empowered with that anymore. The, you know, the, the special interest groups and the money at the end of the day, they're, they're buying the politicians. I truly believe that it's happening on both sides. It's not one that's worse than the other. And their, their votes are influenced by that. You know, they, they have to, re, they have to win reelection. You know, I feel like if they get six months to do anything and then they're running for re-election, which means they're earning, they're you know having to to raise money, and which means they're influenced by money. So <laughs> there's no doubt that it's broken. Um, this is a video that I was talking about, which I wish I could remember the name of it, but um, it, it it essentially is a sort of a grassroots campaign. It's it's not right. It's not left. It's not. It's just. Let's take our government back, and the way that they do this, they lay it out. It's about a ten-minute video, and they lay it out really well. But basically, you start from local government, and you get local governments and state governments to start saying, "We're not going to allow this to happen anymore." Gerrymandering would be one of the things. The states can actually end gerrymandering. Each individual state can do that. That's one of the things where their corruption starts because you know these guys can basically control their districts by redistricting them to make sure that all the people that agree with them are in the district. It's crazy, and they can do it every election cycle, and the states can stop it. And if the, enough of the states stop it, like if ten states stopped it, the idea, the theory is, and it's and it's it's not a theory because it's the way things have worked for years. Which is when the states decide to do it, usually the federal government follows close behind. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. It's it, it, this this movement is really just about taking it back and giving it back to the people. You know, not to one side or the other, but just the people taking their power back. And, and having the government work for us because right now they just don't. I don't think anybody can argue that they can, that they do. No, they they don't at all. And and you know the fact that all that that money that you're talking about, the the interests and the lobbyists and 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 stuff like that. You know, when when one of these congressmen or senators leave, they go straight down to K Street. And it, it's, you know, and then they still have all these, these connections in, in the Senate and the Congress. 
and they're they're able to play and move and manipulate and you know strategize and do all these different things you know if there's a cool down period which needs to happen and need we need to go back to term limit or not go back to but start going to term limits we need to have them. you know and Absolutely. and and you know a cool off period before any any outgoing congressman or senator you know has at least 5 years before they can go and be a lobbyist that way you t- if you take the value out of it it'll it'll go away itself i agree i yeah i feel like you know term limits would would I, it's not going to eliminate it cuz like let's say you give a person two terms they're obviously going to have to raise money in the first term but the second term they shouldn't have to worry about raising money they can just govern the person that's going to run for their seat next could be running and trying to to raise money but they're not in the position of actually having to be a representative. That, you know, I, at the end of the day, it, it seems like a simple solution. But unfortunately, the problem that need to, the people that need to vote on that are the people that don't want to give up that power. No, they don't because they, it's taken them forty years to build these these relationships with all these people and you know become you know millionaires and figure out how to get rich. You know, if if they got there for you know two terms, it's really hard to to it would be really hard for them to figure it out you know once once you filter through i mean if we probably wouldn't see any of this in our lifetime but if it changed and once you filtered through those those old timers and now you're into the the new the new set you know it would you, know, you get two terms you can't really figure out a whole lot in you know, eight years, especially yeah. if you're 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 trying to uh, get reelected and and do what you need to do, and then once the you know you, you're outgoing, you can't do anything for five years. Well, all your contacts that you had back there, back in the Senate and the Congress, after five years, what if they don't get reelected? There goes some of your pool. There they're goes gone. some of your power. Yep. You know that yep. just makes the most sense to yep. me. But you're right. Well, I've never heard that idea. I actually like the one of once you're out of office, you have a five-year moratorium where you go into the private sector and do your thing, and you can come back into politics as a lobbyist or something else. So you got to wait that five years. I actually have never heard that idea. I really like it. Well, well, that's the way it used to be. You used to go serve and then go back home to your job, you know, what you mm-hmm. used to do, whether you were a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. You know, you you, know, you wanted to do your service for your country. You didn't go serve in the military. And I understand, you know, we have to evolve as, as people and things can't always stay the yeah. same forever. But I mean, come on. It's, yeah. it's, it's, no, it's a, a no brainer. The government has yeah. got way it, too big. It really has. I mean, and that's, yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, without us actually talking about it, I'm pretty sure you and I sort of land on the same side of it, which I'm, you know, I'm sort of a, a I don't want to call myself a, a straight up Republican conservative, but I, lean conservative i'm I'm usually politically conservative and socially i'm pretty uh i'm pretty liberal actually um but i i you know i'm i the government has never done anything right you know and in my opinion there's just very little that they do right so i don't want them more involved in my life i want them less involved in my life and uh it just seems like that is uh that is that is a hard nut to crack right now yeah my my uh I think I, I would be, someone called me a libertarian. I mean, I, I believe in civil liberty, civil liberties and the constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't really, I wouldn't consider myself left or right. I mean, I'm kind of middle, you know, I don't, I don't want yeah, the government absolutely. telling me what to do. I don't want them making decisions for me. 
You know, I think that mm-hmm. we need a police, you know, obviously, and there's other things that we need. Um, I think AI is going to change everything and we're going to have to really figure out what we're going to do with these displaced people that don't have any job anymore because a computer or artificial intelligence has, has sourced them out, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things that are coming down the pipeline. It's at some point in the future. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe 10 to 20 years, it's going to be even more different than it is now. Oh, it is. I mean, the privacy issues with, you know, social media and, you know, what you're doing online and all that kind of stuff, your cell phone and access to records of your cell phone. Privacy is going to be, you know, I really think it's, it's, well, I think it's pretty self, almost self-explanatory. It's going to be the next big issue of the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, it's already becoming that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I firmly believe that the government have a place. There are certain things that they should be doing, but they just need to do it within responsible limits. And it just seems like everybody wants to bite, you know, bite off everything with one with one big bite right now. And um, you know, we can make steps to make sure that everybody has health care. It doesn't have to be universal health care for all. I'm not opposed to universal health care for all, especially if somebody can find a way to pay for it. But I'm, I, I, you know, I guess my, my thing is, why can't we just take small steps towards that? The people that have insurance, just leave them the hell alone. If they're happy with it, let them have it. The rest of the people, let's find something that we can get, you know, we can get those people insured. And it just seems like everything is, well, no, we want to take everything away and give you this. So, we, you know, it, it's just, I, I feel like there's so many people that want the government to have full control of our lives. I mean, and, you know, with the rise of this, We'll call it, you know, democratic socialist movement with Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and all them. And I, I know that they have in their hearts they want to take care of everybody. I appreciate that. I respect that. But my thing is, is that don't condemn me for it if I don't feel the exact same way that you do. And then the other thing is, don't push it on me if you have no idea how the hell you're going to pay for it. Like, why are we even having a discussion about it till it's an actual viable, uh, you know, opportunity, which it isn't right now. Um, so I don't know. I'm off on my own little tangent there, I think. Yeah, the whole socialist thing is—is is, I mean, I mean, we kind of do have some socialist things that we do right now, um, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like it's just—I don't know. I saw a meme the other day with uh, going through Facebook, and there's tons of memes, and I try not to look at them because I don't want to. I know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to trying to you know shift your your views and your perspective they're trying to drive you with these yeah. with these things that they're doing i mean facebook itself isn't but i mean they're allowing the whoever it is to to target people or target a specific mm-hmm. group or whatever to to put their ideas through but it was uh venezuela and it had a bunch of um different facts about venezuela and 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 how they were led the economy in mexico or, or latin america was number one or you know, all these facts, good things about them. And then, it, and then it says in, in 10 years, all of that disappeared with socialism after socialism was introduced. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I don't want that here, but I mean, is that really, I mean, how true is that? You know, we, we don't, <laughs> nothing is, uh, well, here's, here's what I used to say, or I still do say, um, you, you literally have to be an investigative journalist these days to figure out what media 
that's coming out is the truth. And you have to go through 10 Absolutely. publications and sift through everything and get pieces and bits of the truth and then try to you know, put it all together. Maybe you might get one kernel of, of, of piece of truth. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's funny that you say that because you know the, the, a lot of the people that I follow on Twitter or follow on social media are independent journalists because that's the only place I feel like I can get anything close to accurate news. And I'm not even saying accurate. Where I don't care if it's biased one way or the other. I just want to be accurate. I want to be true. I want to be, you know, I, I feel like both from the left and the right, there's a lot of, so, you know, we're going to tell you what we want you to hear, and then that's all that you get. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's some good investigative slash independent journalists out there that you're right. I mean, that's, unfortunately, I, I, well, I don't know if it's unfortunate or not, but I honestly think that's going to be part of the future. I think some of these big news organizations that, right now own everything I think they're going to see their influence really wane in the like next 15 20 years you know like things like CNN and Fox News and you know from all different sides I think their influence is not going to be what it used to be because people are just going to stop ignoring it you start to ignore the white noise and at the end of the day they're what they're the white noise yeah exactly and then and then you know when you that's why I, my, my, my thing was I wanted to talk to, you know, regular people, people, everyday working folks that, that, you know, what is your opinion? You know, do you, you know, in your community, is it, you know, the same as, as it is on, you know, on the social media community communities? And I, I doubt it, you know, but what I, yeah. what thing I do know that's happening is, you know, we, we are not as communities in where you live. Most people aren't aren't talking. Most people aren't. You know, we're busy doing our things. You know, you may see your neighbor and go, "Hey, you know, hi, bye, whatever." You know, but nobody's talking. Nobody's. You know, back in the in, in the olden days, or mm-hmm. when when civilization first started, or you know, progressed a little bit. You know, villages. You know, people sat yep. around the fire every night, and they talked. Absolutely. Yeah. And they talked about the day. And, oh, guess what? Little so-and-so, you know, got bit by this spider. Oh, and here it is. This is what it is. and, and mm-hmm. or, or something bad yep. happened. And, you know, that's how we would know not to go and do those things. You know, yep. and we've come so far away from that that yeah. nobody, I mean, even though you're you're out and about during the day, you're doing your job, you're doing your work, you know, you come home, you do your commute, you're still, you're isolated. You come mm-hmm. home, you know, you, you don't really have any, 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 yeah, I don't know if, maybe I'm just well, going I by my, I mean, I, no, I had this conversation with a neighbor and he and I actually hang out every night. We usually uh, hang out for about an hour in the evenings. We just hang out and sometimes we'll sit on the, literally put chairs in the driveway and other times we'll just hang out in the backyard, but we, you know, we just hang out. Uh, and I've had this conversation, and I think this is, this might might go back to the to the 2016 election cycle, where you know, I don't know, maybe not, but it was just we were having this conversation, and I was like, you know, we see all this stuff on social media that's saying all these things that are happening, all these boycotts and protests, and people just losing their mind about X, Y, and Z. And then I said, do you ever see this in your real life when you go to work? You have these conversations with people, our neighbors. We don't have these conversations with people. They're all like-minded to sort of what we what we talk about a lot. I go, where is all this stuff happening other than on social media? 
And, and, you know, I just, I do, I feel like they're creating a world on social media that is one thing and it's not congruent with the rest of the world that I'm, that I'm living in on a day-to-day basis. In some cases I see it, but it's not as bad as it, everything it makes it sound. Um, so I agree with you uh, in, in in that respect for sure. Yeah, at one point I was I was I was like, you know, I'm just going to get in my fifth wheel and I'm just going to go across the country and and I'm going to podcast along the way and I'm going to just talk to everybody that I come across and 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 get a feel for for what the rest of the country thinks and so everybody else can can yeah. look and say, hey, look, you yeah. know, it's it's not as crazy as everybody's making it out to be. You know, actually, it's funny that you say that. So I remember sitting in my uh, chair, sitting in my living room uh, on election night, um, excuse me, sort of, and I was just ready to soak up all the all the coverage. You know, I knew everybody was losing their mind because Donald Trump won. I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but I sure as hell did vote for Hillary. Um, I wasn't really going to vote for either of them. They were just both crappy candidates. But I remember just sitting in my chair watching all the coverage. And I was bouncing back between Fox News and MSNBC CNN and everywhere. And I remember Van Jones, uh, I think that's his name. Um, he was on CNN and he was just all kinds of pissed and he was just being, you know, he, he, you know, just, he was pissed and you could tell, you know, he wasn't hiding it. And then I remember a year later and I heard him on something, another show, whatever it was. And he was actually the one guy that took time away and he actually traveled the country for like three months and went and sat in the living rooms of people in Idaho, in Nebraska, in Tennessee, and all these states that sort of get misunderstood, the flyover states, if you want to call them that, that, you know, they're calling them the Trump base and all the other things, whatever. He went and actually sat in those living rooms and had conversations with them. And he came back and he said, it absolutely changed my perspective. I sat and I listened to these people. They were everyday people. They weren't racist. They weren't bigots. They weren't this, they weren't that, they weren't all these things that we've been calling them for years, or for at least the last year since Trump really got into the race. Uh, and I was really impressed. You know, I'm always impressed when somebody from that side, because I, you know, like, I this is where my bias is going to come out, but I feel like that, and maybe it's just because I align with these people like Dave Rubin and Peterson and Sam Harris and stuff like that, where they want to have conversations with everybody. I feel like people on the right are willing to talk a little bit more than the people on the left are really just willing to point, they, they want to point fingers and blame. And Van Jones definitely falls into the left category, but he was one that actually said, I went and talked to these people. They're good American people. They just want the best for themselves and their family and their friends. And they're not monsters. And he came back and actually said, I used to think this, and now I think this. And I just wish more people, both from both sides, would do that. And like you said, that would be the, that would be so amazing if you could actually do that. <laughs> Sell the house, jump into the fifth wheel of the motorhome. And just go around the world, talk and around the country, and just get a true feel of the perspective that is outside of social media, that is outside of all this other, um, you know, just we don't want to call it social media, just media influence because it's just you're getting it from every angle. I honestly don't. I feel like I, I I can't open a newspaper, I can't open a magazine, I can't turn on the TV, I can't open Facebook, I can't do anything without getting some sort of biased opinion just shut down my throat. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I actually unplugged. I got rid of uh, uh, DirecTV, and I just stream everything now. I mean, because it was getting to a point where I was just watching nothing but Netflix documentaries and YouTube anyways. 
And mm-hmm. and I mean, I yeah. did the same. Except the the only thing I did keep is I did YouTube TV, uh, which still has you know local cable channels and things like that. But I very rarely watch any of that stuff. I really did it so I can have like my you know and all the sports channels and the golf channel and the baseball channel and all those kind of things. And I got the kids and they sort of watch some network shows. But yeah, I, for the most part, I've, I've I've cut the cord as well. Yeah, I did the YouTube Not TV quite. as well. Um, just for the kid, uh, Disney Junior and whatnot, and that's almost you know nineteen months old, and that's proving to be you know maybe not the best choice of things to do because now whenever Minnie Mouse isn't on TV, she throws a fit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just I don't think everybody was ready for for what social media was going to bring to the world. No, and I don't even think it's just social media. I honestly think it started with just the iPhones. Um, you know, God bless Steve Jobs, but on the other hand, you know, God, that guy, I don't think he had any idea how much his invention was, was going to, you know, change the world. It literally changed the world. I mean, every guy, I went and, I went with uh, my kids this weekend, and I saw Hamilton. got lucky enough to go do that, and I remember sitting there before the show and, sort of nudged my 14-year-old, and I just looked around, and every single person had that white light on their face before the show was starting. And, you know, that used to be, sort of to your point, that used to be the time that people would sit there and talk. They would introduce themselves. Oh, I'm from, you know, San Francisco. Oh, I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from down in San Jose. And, you know, God, we've been waiting six years to see the show, or whatever it is. But people used to have conversations, and now everyone's just, Oop, oh, let's see what's happening on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and everything else. And, that's the stuff that makes me sad. I sit at restaurants and watch it, and it's just those are the things that makes me sad. I mean, my my kids are pretty good. Like when we sit at the table, everybody just puts their phones in their pockets, and we actually can have a conversation. And um, I'm you know grateful for that. But I just wish you know I just don't think these I don't think anybody knew how much these iPhones were going to change the world. They they certainly have. Uh, they they definitely made it to where I mean they're a good thing. Um, I, I think it's definitely a plus, you know, back in the day when I guess our parents and our grandparents, um, were, you know, what they would go by is the news. And if it was on the news, it was, it was, that's what it was, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that was the real thing, you know, that was the truth. And now, and and people knew that and they could get away with it because the, the time that they would actually find out from when something happened to, the news cycle and everything else, it was, you know, maybe a week. Now it's mm-hmm. instantaneous. They can't, they can't get away with anything. No, nothing. Like literally, you know, uh, some famous person gets into an accident or gets into a fight at a bar. It is on the internet in 30 seconds. And yeah, uh, it's, it's, it, it has changed the world. I mean, politics, uh, you know, just being an adult in your thirties and forties, you know, just be able to go out and make some bad decisions on a bachelor party and stuff. Now you pay for those by the time you get home on Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah, I haven't. I, I I don't really go out and do that much anymore. Um, just because you know, once you have a kid and, and work and commute, and I don't know what what you do for a living, but I, I work construction uh, Monday through Friday, and you know, six to mm-hmm. two. And most of the time it's in San Francisco, Oakland, or somewhere not close to where I live. And so I got about three hours in commute, you know, it's about 11 to 12 hours a day to that. And then the kid and gym. And by the time that, uh, 
you know, get home and, and eat, and it's time to go to bed. No time. Yeah, I'm fortunate. I uh, I do um, automotive marketing for, or I just digital marketing for the automotive industry. Uh, I work for for uh, an OEM, and my job is just to go around and see those dealerships in the Bay Area. Um, you know, would just go have meetings with them, so I don't I don't have to get up early. I I my schedule my appointments at like ten o'clock. I leave the house at nine, get there at ten, and you know ten thirty, and have a two hour appointment. And then I'm on my way home, and I could just completely scheduled around traffic and. Um, so I'm blessed in that way. But I did commute for uh, 12 years. I was going to Hayward. I was going to Richmond. I was going to the city. I was going wherever. And it's only been about the last five years that I've uh, got myself into a role where I've been just, I'm able to work from home. So I'm, I'm fortunate there. But uh, no, you're right. I mean, it's uh, even with that, even when I, you know, working from home and eliminating my commute, I feel like there's not enough hours in the day to just do everything that needs to be done sometimes. Yeah, that's literally why it's taken me a year to to get this thing going. Um, and, well, not only that, but I mean, there were some other some other things too. But those are all personal personal. Yeah, you know, the, the the voices in your head that keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You, you, do you know those guys? No, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the funny thing is that uh, I've had the same thought about doing this. I'm, I was like, I feel like I have something to say. I feel like I'd be good on a podcast. I used to have, this, uh, it was actually a, a, a buddy of mine, his girlfriend. Her and I used to just sit there and just cut up with each other. And we used to just make other people laugh. And everyone was always like, you guys need to have a podcast. It's hilarious. And I always wanted to do that. And I thought it would be good to, you know, talk about just parenting, you know, not only single parents, but have regular parents on there and talk about the challenges of raising kids these days and, you know, all those different things. And, um, probably many of the same things that held you back in the beginning. It was just all those voices going, what the hell are you? Nobody wants to listen to your voice. Nobody's going to, you know, whatever. You just come up with, you know, all these different excuses. And I don't know that I ever would have done anything until I saw your, your uh, post come across. And I was like, you know what? I'll jump in. Like, I, let's see if I really have something to say. So, you know, I'm, I was glad to um, get the opportunity, but I'm glad that you actually stepped up and, and did it because I don't know that I, I probably would have. Yeah, I, I and I've also I've I've been listening to you. I mean, you're pretty you're pretty good. You know, you're not you're not bad at all. You keep you keep your conversation going, and you know, I, I haven't had to really steer you a whole lot. And I'm I'm no prof- well. I I'm no- that. That's what I was going to say earlier in my responses. I was trying to keep them short because I can be wordy. So, and and my writing can be that way sometimes too. When I'm writing emails for work, I'm like been writing for 30 minutes i should just have two sentences and i delete the whole thing and just shoot off an email but yeah i can definitely get worried sometimes so i wasn't worried about having anything to say i was really just trying to keep those answers short for you earlier yeah and i i also was uh you know looking to maybe have a co-host at some point you know if i can if i have chemistry with somebody when i'm going through these interviews i was thinking about huh maybe maybe that'll work you know, because it's mm-hmm. really it's really difficult to uh, do one of these things by yourself if you're, you know, because you're gonna the oh the well, I, I can example. imagine the mechanics of actually whatever you're doing on your end to produce the things or to get things t- recording and and not only doing the, the 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 technical side of it, but then you're having a conversation and the idea is to keep that conversation rolling, and so you got to be sort of involved and on top of it and all that kind of stuff. So I can imagine it would be tough to be juggling both. I'm not sure if I could be doing both. I'm having a hard enough time just sitting here doing it on this end. But, 
you know, doing both, I can imagine it would be a little bit of a challenge. Well, personality-wise, when like uh, the example I was thinking of was uh, guys we fucked. You ever listen to them? The two two girls on Who there. Who is it? Uh, they're two girls. Uh, they're comedians, and they have two completely different personalities. And it works yeah. because one yeah. of them. I, and I, if I remember, I remember if I remember the name of it. It's a, it's sort of a. Uh, I think I know who you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it, but if I remember the name of it, it was something. The guys we fucked. Yes, that's it. Okay, sorry. Did you say that earlier? Did I miss that? Yeah, yeah. The guys we fucked, and it was uh, Christina and Corinne, I think. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know which one's what, but I know that when I'd listen to them, one of them would just absolutely get on my nerves every time she opened her mouth. But what kept me there was the other one because she would would balance out the the annoying part of the other of other girl that was okay so did you hear about him for the first time on rogan i think i first the first time i heard him was on rogan and that was my exact sort of response to it which is like this one one she needs to not talk as much this one needs to talk more and then i think i did listen to a few of their podcasts i don't think i was able to get into it on a regular basis but i did listen to four or five of them and um yeah, I, I definitely remember them. I got them to a little bit, but for whatever reason, they didn't stick with me. Yeah, same here. I, I went through about a four or five, eh, maybe even a six-month run with them, and then I just kind of let yeah. it go. I'm like, eh, you know, it's not. I mean, they had some good points, and they had some good views, and um, but it, I, I think it, what killed it for me was the, the nasally one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do that a lot with the podcast. So, I mean, I guess you sort of have to. You're not, they're not going to all hit home runs. You just got to try a few of them out. I tried uh, Jason Stapleton, I think, was it, is his name. Have you, have you checked him out? No, no, I haven't. I think that's his name, Jason Stapleton. Um, he, you know, he's got the uh, "Don't Tread on Me" as a sort of a, the, the that that emblem as the cover of his podcast, and he uh, he's definitely sort of a libertarian down the middle guy, but he. I gave it like five or six and it was just, first of all, he would take these breaks where I understand the commercial breaks for all, you know, all the podcasts I listen to have commercial breaks, but he was like selling you stuff and, you know, of his own stuff is almost like Alex, Alex Jones type stuff. And I'm like, okay, enough of this. And I, I liked what he had to say, but I just couldn't get into the format that he was pushing. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much out there and they're so, they're so different. And, I think that's why I was always sort of like, you know, having that idea that, man, I'd sort of like to give this a try. But, um, you know, I, I guess one of the things that always held me back is I feel like the guys that make it today are guys that sort of already have a jump start. You know, Dr. Phil just started his own. Like, really? You don't have enough <laughs> with your show and everything else? And you got now you got to jump into the podcast mix. And, you know, right. I feel like most of these guys are sort of, they're taking their name and then running with it. And that makes them successful, which is great. Uh, but it's harder for someone like you or I to sort of, all of a sudden build ourselves up but it like you said the guys we fuck it's not and it's not impossible those girls did it i don't think they were well known at all they just captured a guy you know captured some people's attention and they built a built a following off of it i guess well i, I from you know so i've got about i'd say 20 that i i just sort of scroll through some of them i started some of them like the other one we just talked about you know it just sort of there but yeah, it may be a little saturated, but I think there is nothing like it. You know, there's there's nothing like having somebody, you know, because when I listen to them, I listen to them with my Bluetooth, 
while I'm working. So eight hours a day, I'm consuming nothing but uh-huh. content. And it's yeah. like I have these people in my ear all day long listening. Yeah. A fly on the wall, if you want to call it that, to a conversation to, you know, the, it's it's crazy. It, if mm-hmm. I'd have had the... You know these when I was when I was growing up, I probably you know wouldn't have made some of the choices, or at least you know, I'm hoping I wouldn't have made some of the choices that I did. You know because you you have other you know you can just punch in whatever it is you want to know, or area 100%. area that yeah. you're you're having trouble in and you and you want to you know explore. Bam, it's right there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and, and there's there's this unlimited library of information you know with on the internet but specifically with podcasts and yeah i mean i I, it's funny to think i hadn't really ever thought about that but if you look if you think back about the influence it may have had on you at 17 18 19 years old or 25 years old um it's just amazing how much of a different time it is today than when we when we grew up i remember just when i was raising kids minor teenagers now but you know when they were 10 years ago when they were all little little it you know kids running around you know we were we had the suburban with the movies and the headrest and it was just i used to think god you guys are so spoiled i used to have to sit there and play travel connect four you know with my brother or my mom to entertain myself in the car and now you guys have either got disney movies or now they got their ipads and their cell phones and everything else so it's just a different world yeah no more slug bug no more slug bug exactly yeah, that's definitely something I'd uh, I'd I'd explore with you if you were uh, if you were game for it. Doing the co-hosting? Yeah, why not? I would actually, yeah, I would love to explore it for sure. I mean, a lot of things. You know, so basically, with 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 this podcast, you know, nowhere to go but up. I named it that because that can apply to so many different things. Mm-hmm. You know, it can apply to where we are as society. It can apply to, you know, where people are, you know, bottoms that you've hit in your life, how you got through them. I mean, it, it just, it could be anything. And yeah. once you, yeah. once you start it, they kind of take on a life of their own. You know, you have a premise and Absolutely. you try, you try to stick to it. But a lot of the times, I mean, once you get one going, you know, you, you, you get on a roll and it just sort of morphs into whatever it's it's going to be and it'll either yeah. work or it won't yeah no i'm i'm, I'm yeah i i think it's uh i, I think you know, I, the idea of it's i like the idea of nowhere to go it up because it's it's it's, a, it's just the title has a positive connotation to it you know it's like listen we're we're starting from the bottom and we're going up and we're, you know we're going to climb this ladder and get out of this hole or whatever it might be so it just has a it has a positive ring to it right from the start, so it would be something that would capture people's attention just from the name. I actually think I think it's a good name. All right, so we're coming up on an hour here. What uh, what social media would you like to plug for yourself? Uh, you know, gosh, I mean, I, I think the only one I'm really, really, I mean, I, I'm on Facebook, but that's mostly just sharing pictures of the kids and things like that. But um, my Twitter handle is just Ryan uh, Ryan Brown ninety eight. Um, I, I do a lot of sports stuff too. So I'm, you know, sharing, you know, funny things for sports and stuff like that. But I follow a lot of political people on there. So I'll sometimes comment and get into, get into some comment strings and things like that or share things. But, uh, yeah, so I'd say I'm most active on the, on the Twitter more than anything else. I'm still learning Instagram. I can't figure that one out for the most part. I got to have my daughter 
come over and show me things on it. And it's kind of sad because I'm in digital marketing, so you'd think I'd be good at this stuff. But some of these things, like, I won't even mess with Snapchat. So anyway, yeah, Ryan Brown 98 at uh, for, for Twitter. Yeah, Instagram is, uh, uh, I've tried to figure it out. And, I, you know, I would go up to 300 followers and I wouldn't post anything for a week and I'd come back and I'd have 250. I'm like, yep. geez, yeah. you guys, yeah. you guys are, you guys are they, killing me, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, they're fickle. If you don't, you got to keep them entertained out there. Nothing like having an app that makes you feel like you're not, you're, you're nothing. Yeah, it's instant judgment. That's what it is. Let you know exactly where you stand with society. All right. Well, we made it through uh, my first podcast, and we managed to eat up an hour of time, which is which is good. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. I appreciated it. Yeah, no problem, man. And uh, I will uh, talk to you as soon as we get off here. I'll, I'll talk to you off air. Okay, perfect. I appreciate it. All right, Ryan Brown, thank you. Thanks for listening to the show, and thanks to Ryan for sharing his story. So if you listened to my first episode, you would have seen or heard how much I jumped around and had a hard time staying on a topic. So in an attempt to try to correct that, I've written down everything that I want to say. So if it sounds like I'm reading, it's because I am. And I'm sure the more I do this, the, the, the more my thoughts will stay together and I can convey whatever it is I'm trying to say to you uh, in a manner in which you can follow. So one of the things that I've learned in my life is that relationships are hard to keep fresh and vibrant. If you aren't with the right person, we tend to evolve away from one another. This tends to happen quite a bit, at least in my own life it has. My opinion is we don't take enough time in the beginning to do really do our due diligence to see if the people that we are considering a relationship with are really right for us. It's very easy to mistake lust for love. I've fallen victim to this myself, where the sexual chemistry is so good that you forget about everything else and all the important stuff that you need to know about people before you actually get involved with them in a relationship. Before you know it, it's six months, your relationship, and you're in a relationship. And aside from the sex, that has slowed down drastically, unless you're both nymphos. Once you are stuck together, having to actually talk to one another, you realize that you don't have enough in common to stay to sustain staying together. This is just one example. If you have other examples, please share them at nowheretogobutupnow at gmail.com. This is how we learn from each other. People that are close to you can tell you all day long what they think you're doing wrong. And it usually goes in one ear and out the other. Resonating with a complete stranger that does the same shit we do is the bump we need sometimes to change our shit and get out of our own way. Episode 3 will be the start of the dating part of this podcast. I'll be alternating between life struggles and dating episodes. I think a show that is 100% bottoms might get a little depressing. I need some funny shit in between. If you have a dating topic you want to hear about or dating stories you want to share, dating apps 
you want to talk about, like or dislike, feel free to send me an email. If you can't write it down, my ways to contact me are in the show notes. Last point. If you get something out of this, please rate and review in iTunes or whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Until the next time, keep it 100 and stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise.